Hello, friends. Welcome back to the first kickoff episode of Studio 603. I'm your host, Matt. My co-host, Sam, is making his way back up to Canada. My love is burning for him at this moment on New Year's Day. It's New Year's Day, and... I am in Raleigh, North Carolina, with my very dear friend, Katie Bailey. Say hi, Katie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got a thought-provoking, mind-provoking episode. Heart-provoking. Mm, heart-provoking. Yes, heart-provoking. And I'm very excited to be bringing in the new year with Katie before we get into the the good stuff, how how long have we known each other? Um, just a little over three years now. Mm-hmm. We met in July 2015. And where did we meet? <laughs> On a cruise ship in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We met on a cruise. So this story was covered. In our one of our earlier episodes, I think it was the ships passing in the night episode. But I'm sitting with the Katie Bailey. We, yeah, met on my sister's cruise ship. Rachel was singing and dancing, and the whole family was out to see her. And Katie was out with her grandma and her sister, and our paths crossed. I basically made Matt be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Against his will at first. (laughs) No, that's not even true. That is not even true. I think it was destiny that we were to hang out, given that uh, we were the only people under 30 years old on this boat. I was going to say 50, but (laughs) 30 Uh, might be more accurate. Yeah. But our relationship really began with Shakira in the Northern Lights Lounge. DJ Humpback. DJ Humpback, me, Aaron, your sister, and you uh, dancing the night away on the high seas to Alaska. Our hips telling the truth the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was great. So we've, Katie and I have stayed close for, ever since then, over the years, and we are passionate about some of the same things. And I think one of maybe the most passionate subject that brings us close together is... Mental illness! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, mental health. What better way to start your year... With all of your amidst all of your resolutions, all the things that you're hoping to do, then talking about uh, mental health and how to uh, stay afloat and stay well and thrive when mental health problems arise. So, do you wanna do you wanna give a little bit of a backdrop to this topic? Um. <laughs> Sure. So I personally Mm -hmm. um, have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. A few, really, if you want to put it that way. 
Um, and I have been, um, dealing with that for a long time, but, um, actually like, I guess, positively dealing with it since 2010, um, when I had kind of a really intense year at school. Mm -hmm. And so it's just become, it's a huge part of my life and, Mm -hmm. Um, it's become an even bigger part of my life as an adult, um, Mm. as someone who has seen a lot of people suffer with their own battles, um, either alone or, um, with their own attempts to be healthy and also with my own, um, attempts to try and explain what it's like to have a mental illness to Mm. people who don't know what that is like at all. Um, and that's really what we wanted to talk about. Um, it's one of the things that brought Matt and I together very mm. early on, actually. We stayed on up, the boat. On the boat. On the boat. We um stayed up until four AM on the back of the ship watching the um sun finally go down and then pretty quickly come back up again, as is Alaska <laughs> in the summer. Mm. And um talked about our own, um, experiences with it. And, um, to me, it's one of the greatest things that we are not dealing with as a world, as a country, as a community, Mm. as a family, Mm. um, in our friendships and in our own personal lives. And so Mm. it's going to be a kind of serious in-depth episode (laughs) of this one. So sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Was that kind of what you were looking for? (laughs) Nailed it. You just nailed it. And so, yeah, so I, I too have, uh, mental illness and I don't know. I, there definitely needs to be more conversation about it and more uh, kind of like honest people showing up to their lives, sharing um, depth. And I think, I think there's some value in that. So that's, that's where we're at and that's where we are hoping to go. Yeah. Mm. So, where do you want to start? Should we start with a statistic? Yes. Okay, great. Let's <laughs> let's start with a statistic. So, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, which is an amazing organization. Also known as NAMI. Na- NAMI or NAMI. Um, they have this a ton of amazing resources. So if you are interested in learning more about this stuff, I would totally recommend going to NAMI.org um, and reading about it. But they report that one in five adults in the U.S. experience a mental illness. One in five. Yeah, one in five. 20% of the population. And in this room... We're two for two. (laughs) So So we're way more than that. (laughs) Um. So basically, it goes to show that you never know what people are going through Mm. and that more people are probably dealing with something that you might be dealing with than you even realize. And I I would say that even within 2018, there were several people in my life who I'm extraordinarily close to 
who were going through some really tough battles of either depression or anxiety. I think those cover a lot of bases. More and more people are kind of coming through the woodwork and starting to show, um, open up just a little bit, open up the, a crack in the door to like what's going on. And um, for me, like the first thing that I want to say if some if I'm on the phone with somebody in a Starbucks parking lot is like you are not alone. One of the things I think is so important for me as somebody who is very open and receptive to people talking about mental illness is just creating that space for people to be heard and um, just to listen. Because so often when people are kind of coming out with a tiny fraction of what they're going through, uh, I think people just need to be validated in those experiences. Like what you're going through is normal. What you're going through is something that so many people are dealing with and like I'm here and that's kind of been the starting point for several conversations in 2018 with uh, a few people that I dearly love who are kind of going through a mental health roller coaster. So I guess to come back to it, I totally believe in that one in five statistic. I mean, I think going off of what Matt was saying is even if you don't know me, um, you've got two people in this room who are not scared of you and mm. are not going to run away from you needing to talk about something. And that is overwhelmingly true of the people in your life as well. I've been really amazed, um, by my community, mm. um, mm. when I finally have become much more open about speaking about my own experience mm. that they, you know, weren't going to run away from it. Mm. When somebody is like, I'm here, I love you, I still am a part of your life, like that, that is just so encouraging. And that, and those, those interactions that I have with, with my own mental struggles when I'm opening up to other people, um, which is very rare. I'm, I'm very closed hearted when it comes to this and I need to work on it, which is maybe why we're talking about it now. So what do you, like, Katie, what do you think is, what is so scary about depression, anxiety, insert another mental health challenge? What is it that's so scary about, like, opening up to people in your inner circle or beyond that? I think probably the fear of being thought of as crazy. Mm. And, um, anyone who does know me knows that I use this word a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I am very crazy positive. Um, (laughs) I, because I feel like Mm. we need to take away the stigma from that word and from, um, everything that we are, that a lot of our, the people in our lives are going through. Um, because I think it is important to remember that not everyone will experience a chronic mental illness. They could be experiencing Mm. an acute episode of anxiety or depression Mm. based on, um, circumstances out of their control in their life. Um, and that is like just as much of just as scary to go through and 
also seek help from as something that is more long-term. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think people, my fear at least when I was first starting to open up is that people would think of me differently, that people would look at me differently, look at me as fragile or look at me as mm. incapable of achieving things. Mm. Um, that there would all of a sudden be this new barrier. And that's a fear that I still go through. I don't know the be- the totally best answer to to get over that. I my what I would say is the people that love you aren't like that. Mm. One of the hopes and uh one of the yeah, one of the goals of this podcast is to demystify the loneliness of mental health of mental challenges. So many people who I've gotten to know over the years, like mental challenges are lonely and they are isolating because there's this feeling of I am the only one. Like everyone around me looks so happy or everyone around me looks like they've got it together. And I in like internally everything is crumbling or I just can't keep my head above water and it doesn't look like there's anybody else out there who can who can relate and as a sidebar I think this is sometimes a very like calculated thought but often it can be a really irrational thought like there's not exactly a reason why you're thinking you know why you're so depressed or why you're anxious, but um, the isolation, whether it's for like good external reason or if it's like an internal subjective, more irrational reason, that feeling is totally valid. And so I think maybe it'd be good to talk about how to like overcome that isolation or how to recognize that isolation or how to like descale it a little bit so it's so other people become more approachable in times of mental distress. I wish I'd known the answer to that question a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know the answer to it now? I'm not entirely sure. I think mm. um a lot of it comes with practice and I'm hoping that maybe this talk helps and other talks like it help other people. Mm. Um I think when I was first dealing with my mental illness, I felt like I was totally alone and I couldn't tell anyone because it was my job to be happy and it was my job Mm. to appear normal and um, like the successful college student that people expected me to be. And I think that we all put those kinds of expectations on ourselves sometimes and or all the time. <laughs> mm. And it makes it really hard to break through that glass and reach out and say, I need help. Mm. And, um, you know, it took me getting to a really dark place that took me a lot longer to get back from um, before I ever actually asked for help. And I think now... Um, and I have a I have a rather a pretty serious chronic mental illness. So this is like an ongoing thing for mm. me in my life. Um, I have learned to check in with myself and realize that if I'm 
exhibiting certain behaviors, if I'm keeping myself away from people, if I'm not answering my friend's phone calls, if I'm not Mm. um, reaching out to them, if I'm not um, performing well at work or wanting to get up in the morning or, um, you know, you know, snapping at my family members or something like that, that are, are things that are really not me. They're not who I am as a person. Um, I've learned to really check in and realize, Oh, there's something wrong here. There's something going on and I really need to get some help in figuring this out. And I think a lot of that is you just have to develop it maybe. Mm. Um, but just know that there's really nothing too small or too big. And if you ask for help from someone who cannot help you, they will hopefully love you enough to find you the help Mm. that you need. I mean, um, a lot of, most of the people in my life really can't help me with what's going on in my life. They, Mm. they can empathize and they can love me, but that's like why I have a psychiatrist and a therapist and Mm. a Matt Dravenstadt. Um, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I oh, oh I know that so. was sweet weather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, but really, yes, I oh, I love you so much. I love you too. Um, and uh, when I think back to oh, this would have been almost ten years ago when I was first getting seriously depressed and I would be a very bright and and sunny face in the room and then I would go back to my room in college and I would just weep feeling so alone even even though there, I had great friends um, there in my life at the time but still feeling so alone and I think depression especially as a very like closed and closing experience. Like it's like your rib cage is, is caving in and creating a tighter uh, fortress around your heart. And it's, it's, it is by mm-hmm. definition and by experience um, a very like inward and in facing um, thing. And you become extremely self-reliant. But the irony is, 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 at that moment, that is the most needed moment for me to reach out and for somebody who's in that, in that place to reach out. And I would say that talking with my inner circle and close friends and family when I'm out of a depressive episode has been really helpful, kind of like setting up people, um, like a response team, like a response team to my mental health challenges saying like, you know, like I'm a very positive person, but if I, if you start to see me slip in any way, if you start to see me not being as open with you or not out, out and about as much, or if you just see that, that look in my eyes of like emptiness, like I really want you and I need you to reach out because I'm entering a place where it seems impossible to reach out, even though that is the most appropriate um, solution for something like depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Human connection, I think, is the first thing that has to happen 
to help people really start their healing process and start their just bettering mm. process. Mm. How do you feel? How how are you feeling right now? Like, do you feel like you're, you know, at the start of this new year, like the best version of Katie, and you're you're where <laughs> you're you're where you want to be, and <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> no, it's January. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I I think. I'm always skeptical of people who answer that question with a yes and an exclamation point, mm. bolded and underlined. <laughs> um, mm. But that's also me, my cynical nature. So um, I do have the new year always brings me hope because it feels like a shedding of skin. December mm. is a really hard month for me and um, it just brings a lot of bad memories and um, very, very stressful holidays. And so it's just kind of like a sloughing off of dead skin cells that happens come the new year. And That's such a beautiful image. <laughs> so attractive. Um, and um, so there's hope. There's always hope there. And, but it's been, it's been a rough year for me. Um, you know, we just, I'm, I'm just so, I'm very much a realist. So I'm very kind of under the earth about it, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, about what could happen next. But I have been able to have some really amazing conversations with people. And I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about this mm. now too, because mm. I think this is something that is so important and not enough people are talking about mm. connecting with each other so that there are those support networks, so that there are those relationships in place, so that if you or someone that you care about gets to a place where they can't anymore, they just can't, <laughs> mm. um, that they have a pulley system to get them out of that depth or bring them down from that height. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it can just start with really small things and just being kinder to each other, being more empathetic to each other, um, to everyone's experiences and realizing that everyone has something going on, whether they're talking about it or not. Everyone has something difficult in their life. Everyone has a challenge. You just might not know what it is. Mm. And and I'm so glad that you call me and that you text me when things are confusing or weird or tough. <laughs> That's a really nice way to put it. <laughs> I mean, no, we also I mean, we also talk, we also talk, you know, quite frequently about like when life is good and we mm -hmm. share a lot of laughter and mm -hmm. a lot of loveliness. Uh, but I just want to like, I'm, I am so bad at actually calling people and sending the text when I need it, when I really need to talk and I when I really need, um, to relate or if I feel like my ribs kind of caving in a little bit or, um, 
like life is just not making sense at the time. Uh, I need to do a better job of that. And I, what one thing I really appreciate about you is that what sometimes we'll be on um, like FaceTime with Sam and then you and I are chatting and uh, you will be like, okay, how, like, how are you really like, and like, it's like this whole, like your, your face changes and your tone of voice changes. And I could just tell that you are like sitting, sitting down next to me at like a really, um, like real level and wanting to not like catch up on the gossip or, you know, figure out like, how is Matt really, but you're genuinely concerned and care about my well being and, um, I need to do a better job at calling you and calling other people and texting other people when I actually need to authentically answer that question um, and things are hard. So I think that's one of my resolutions for 2019 for my mental uh, health wellness is Mm. more 3 a.m. phone calls. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm going to have to put my ringer on. (laughs) (laughs) I take medicine that makes me sleepy, so (laughs) as soon as I'm asleep, Matt might not wake me up with a 3 a.m. phone call, but maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think that's... always there. And that's where, you know, you don't have to let your... Let that baggage or let that worry or let that, like, mental health concern just rest with one person. That's why Mm -hmm. it's really important to build a network... And I just, I so appreciate living with Sam and Lauren because there's constant opportunities of like safe space and um, they ask me specifically how I'm doing. So. So. What to do. What to do. Yes. Here we, yes. <laughs> we've we've yeah. reached the uh, how to next steps. Yes. The how to section. What to do if you think you have a mental illness or if you're having a rough time and you just need some help. Step one. You take step one. What do you think? Your what? What's step one for you? I think step one is is just trying to be honest with yourself about where you're at. It's like just stopping and listening. I have a horrible habit of not stopping and just keeping myself very busy, so I don't hear and listen to the uh, deeper things going on in my heart. So I do think that there's like a self-awareness. And also I think tied into this step is is a um, acceptance of where you're at. I think that's a really hard thing to do if you're really anxious or you're really depressed or you're very um, insomniatic uh, mm-hmm. is to just say, okay, like, everything is chaos or everything is sad or everything is really awesome. um, (laughs) But you're draining your savings account. (laughs) You're spending all this money. (laughs) And just saying like, okay, like everything's going to be okay. This is, this is where I'm at. Uh, And having some, some grace for yourself. That's step one. Step two. Step two is talk to someone Mm. It can be a friend, it can be a family member, it can be your doctor. Your primary care doctor is equipped to Mm. 
talk to you about mental health and can even prescribe low level, um, like kind of low grade prescriptions. And as a side note, if you have the flu, you take flu medicine for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you have diabetes, you take insulin. Mm -hmm. So if you have an acute or chronic mental illness... You take... Uh, whatever your doctor tells you to, <laughs> whatever you figure out works for you. Um, taking a medicine is not a weakness and um, can make a difference between night and day. Amen. It yes. Yeah. It basically brings you to back to the level where the rest of the people of the world are walking. That's, that that's, is such a beautiful way to put it. <laughs> that's how I see it. Because I've had to deal with kind of like a lot of different changes and things just because of what, you know, just how like complicated I am <laughs> as a person. Um, no, but like just one medicine sometimes can make such an amazing difference. I've watched it in partners I've had, in friends I've had, Taking an anti-anxiety medicine when you have an anxiety disorder brings you out of those woods and into the land of the living. Are we out of the woods? Yet? Are we out of the woods? Yet? Are we out of the woods? <laughs> Are we in the clear? Are we in the clear? <laughs> With Taylor Swift. Um, but yeah, talk to someone. I mean, can, sorry. Can can they talk to you? Yeah, you can talk to me. I mean, you're kind of. You are a guru of many sorts. I'm a semi-expert. Okay. How can they get a hold of you if they wanted to really reach out? 919-610-9049. There you have it. You can also <laughs> um, text me for sure. 647-915-8145. So that was step three. Talk to somebody. No, that was step two. Sorry, step two. Oh, wow. Step three. Counselors. <laughs> Talk to professionals. <laughs> professional counselors. I have a professional counselor that I've been on a sabbatical from seeing for the last three months, which I, Katie's shaking her finger at me. I, I'm a big believer in seeing a counselor even when everything is right, everything is good. I get a notification on my phone about a week or a couple of days ahead of time, it says appointment with Chris, with my counselor. And that triggers an emotional diagnostic. I start thinking about what do, what do I want to talk about? What do I need to work on? And every, every single therapy appointment, I leave and take something to my, to my core group, to Sam, to Lauren, to Katie, to uh, many of you, and I say, man, like we talked about this amazing idea of me ice skating over my emotions and I, I fall through and it's like just cold and dark and I, and I need to help this connection with connecting to my emotions. And it just, it always, and there are some duds and you have to fire some therapists. Mm -hmm. I fired one therapist who just wasn't helping and wasn't good, but... um 
Like you, a hairstylist. You have to find a good <laughs> hairstylist. You have to find a good therapist. Mm. I, on the other hand, mm. have been with my therapist for eight years. Eight years? Are you eight serious? Years. Amanda is one of the longest relationships of my life. And she's wonderful. And I just lucked out that I she was the first person I met with. And we have stayed together <laughs> over um, the equator and t- through over time zones, um, through video conferencing and things like that. And she knows me. Like, I joke that if I ever get married, she'll be at my wedding. Mm, <laughs> like, she knows oh. me. And and I am also of the thing. I think everyone needs a therapist, whether or not you're a crazy person, because there's nothing better than paying someone who has nothing to do with your life, listen to you complain about everything in your life, and then you just leave. Mm. And you leave with this wisdom and this new ability to deal with personal and interpersonal and work and just the wider world issues at large Mm. that you didn't have before. Mm. Step four. Try and find joy. Mm. What What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I don't know. I think like you do the hard work, right? You realize things within yourself. You talk to someone about it. You seek out help. And then you have to put all of that into action. And within that, it's really easy to get caught up in like, oh, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on this. And I think it's really important to find the things that still bring you, that can bring you joy. Mm. Um, despite all of the hard work that you have to do or um, how you're feeling. You know, I am an amateur flower decorator. Oh, no, and... you are a professional, <laughs> professional um, florist. And... um that's like something that's very important to me. I always have fresh flowers in the house and I bring them home once or once a week or every two weeks and put them together and it's this small thing. I think it's finding the small things that um mm. bring you some something. Mm. I think so much of our lives now is like everything has to be big and that's where we all fall short. Because not everything can be big. Mm. Not everything has an exclamation point on it. Mm. Um, But that doesn't make them any less important. Mm. I can't remember who said this. Somebody with a P name, maybe Pascal. They said, um, always hold something beautiful in your mind. And I think if you're in the habit of taking heart snapshots of beautiful little moments and storing those away that when the lights go out and anxiety overwhelms and depression comes, then, you know, you'll have some, you'll have like a little, a little heart box of like beautiful moments to access. Uh, but, uh, I loved, I loved how you just said finding joy. That was, man, 
We're just good at this. <laughs> I should just always be on this podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, I I feel this is my first podcast. It, it is. And Not like ever. I've never been on a podcast before. I feel so. I'm going to speak on the behalf of Sam. Sam and I feel <laughs> so honored that we can debut the Katie Bailey jazz hands. Jazz hands. I think that's an exhaustive list. I think it's good. I think for anybody who doesn't have these kinds of issues, that's awesome. High five. Like I'm we so glad. Uh, <laughs> and we need you to be the embracers yeah. of the broken. We need you to be the front line women men of you know, people who are walking in the dark and people who are mm-hmm. If you can and you're willing to sit in the dark with people, I think it's really important Ooh. that you do. <laughs> oh, That's and, very Brene oh, Brown. Oh, and, and we're out. <laughs> yeah, and, all right. I think that concludes this episode. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> oh, gosh. New Year. Oh, New Year. New y'all. New y'all. <laughs> And I tried to convince Katie to do a freestyle rap with me. However, she mm. has opted for a uh, more superior outro. <laughs> and it's very apropos with the new year. May all do, do, acquaintance do, be forgot and never brought to mind. May all acquaintance be forgot in days of old langsine. For old langsine, my dear, for old she said we'll take mm. a cup of kindness yet mm. for old happy, happy new, new year, year.